0: Together we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll give each other some tough love, and we'll probably get really uncomfortable. But hand in hand, we'll figure it out along the way and we'll come out even stronger on the other side. So, babe, let's dive on in. What's up? I'm so excited you're here for today's conversation. I sit down with Dr. Sonia Jensen, who is a naturopathic physician with a mission to change the way that women understand their bodies and themselves, and she's been working with women for over a decade, inspiring them to be the best version of themselves, really helping them gain freedom from the chains of society and their hormones and that tiny, nasty little voice inside our heads that tells us we are not enough. Dr. Sonya Jensen just released a book on December 7th called Woman Unleashed. If we're connected on Instagram, you have heard me talk about this book all month long because, oh my gosh, it is so freaking good. It talks about all things hormones and trauma and really healing our bodies and our souls and every part of us to become the best version of ourselves and to really live the lives that we're meant to live. And it just takes you on this journey of deep self-discovery. So y'all need to get this book. It is so good. I will link it in the show notes. But without any further ado, I want you to hear from Dr. Sonia because she is so knowledgeable. There's so much information. So get your notebooks out and ready to go because you're not going to want to miss any of this. Dr. Sonia, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. I was—I've been reading your book. It's like I was just telling you, hit me at the perfect time in my life, and it has just been absolutely—I don't even know the word—just so perfect for me in this moment of my life um, with everything I've gone through and looking to start a family with my husband in the next couple of years. So, I just want to say thank you for writing it and putting it out there Mm -hmm. in the world. It's been absolutely. Wonderful for me. And I know that my listeners are kind of also in the same spot as I am. Um, this podcast really speaks to the multi-passionate woman, maybe in her twenties or thirties, who she's got a lot going on. She's trying to create joy and fulfillment, but doesn't know where to start. She feels like she's all over the place. Um, And our mission is to really empower women to deeply find themselves. My podcast name is Anchor Within. So we're really focusing on turning inward, um, finding our own strengths and weaknesses, our own desires. And we'll talk a lot about this as you talk in your book about masks that you've been wearing your entire life. Um, So we're really just you know, aiming to empower women, and that's something that your book has really been able to help me do for myself as well. So thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you talk to my audience um but before we start, if you could just kind of give us a background of who you are, how you got here, kind of a little bit about you
1: yeah, absolutely. Thank you first for having me on here and I know how precious time is, and um you creating this container with your listeners. I think that's such a beautiful thing because we really do need to step up as women, I think, and empower yeah. one another and elevate one another. And these are just some tools and avenues where women get to hear other women's stories so that they can reflect on their own. So mm-hmm. thank you for for creating this. Yeah, and For myself, um, on paper, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I've been practicing um, now since 2009, uh, graduated 2007, but then took two years to go find myself. But then I recognized I wasn't finding myself to reveal what was already there, but it was a time in my life where I was going through a really hard divorce, and many things were shifting for me. So I really needed to kind of step away and spend time in Southeast Asia, and then came back Um, a bit more anchored in myself and through my work with women and my own journey, I started to really understand how much our beliefs, our thoughts, and the stories that we carry with us from generations, not even our own, and from the culture that we're either grown up in or are living in, how much that has an influence just on our physiology. And then that physiology changes how we're responding to life and the actions that we take in life, in turn, really changing our relationship to ourself, our relationship to others. So I started to recognize that there's such a deep connection between who we think we are and what we identify with and our hormonal stories and how we just navigate life. So I really wanted to connect those dots for women because sometimes we just feel really lost. And I know I felt really lost. And then when I started to put these pieces together, I started to understand myself even more deeply and really do that self-discovery journey so that I could share that with other women and hopefully unveil the stories and the things that we carry with us for so long so that healing can actually start.
0: Yeah. That's something I've noticed too, is the more that I start digging within myself, all these things keep popping up and I'm like, you piece it together retrospectively, kind of like, wow, okay, this makes sense now. Why this thing is happening now because of something that happened, you know, even as a child. Um, And you really dig a little bit deeper and you figure out why these things are happening. And then as I'm digging deep, I'm figuring out like, oh, these hormones are a little bit off. And then this is off and this is happening. And, you know, my nails are really brittle. My hair is falling out. And then all these things Mm -hmm. are happening in my life, you know, so there's so much going on, Mm -hmm. but we don't really piece it together. And, I'm a physical therapist, so I mm. see a lot of, you know, people with chronic pain who it's mm. just now looking through my own, my own journey of self-discovery and all of these, you know, my own health issues that I've been dealing with recently and the reading and the research that I've been doing, I'm just like, wow, putting all the pieces together. If all, if I could just tell my patients all of this, right. Um, mm. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of work, obviously. And yeah, there's a lot in there, but it's really interesting to see how everything works as a whole. And even Mm -hmm. just something as simple as back pain that's nagging and doesn't ever go away is really rooted in something else. Mm -hmm. If it's just never going away and if it's not a mechanical issue. So it's really, really interesting. Um, But in your book, you talk a lot about the masks that we wear Mm -hmm. and, you know, how they've been placed upon us, whether it's from teachers and friends and family and people we've grown up with, um, cultural norms, societal norms, all of the things that we think that we need to be to fit into these boxes that don't necessarily need to be containing us, but they are, um, Mm -hmm as a way of like protecting ourselves, right? And you wrote it really beautifully in your book. You said that it is when the mask is tight and constricting that we lose connection with our truest nature, our essence. Um it's when we've conformed so much to fit into the mask that it begins to create a path of discomfort and deceit, disease. And I just thought it was so well put and well written that it's because of we're containing ourselves so much and conforming to everything that we're not being our true selves. That everything yeah. within us, our hormones, our physiology is changing. And then all of this disease and this discomfort happens as a way of kind of telling us that this isn't how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I was wondering if we can dig into that a little bit. So how do we mm-hmm. even begin to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, what these masks are and what is a mask? Because I find it really hard sometimes to differentiate what is really me and what
1: is yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. Cause um, I think the first step is just awareness that we do have these masks and sometimes these masks are necessary. So when we look at our story growing up and if there's traumas that we've, you know, experienced or witnessed um, and we have these challenges we sometimes have to put on a mask to survive that moment Mm. because our brain, our physiology, everything is meant to help us survive all the moments and experiences and not just in childhood, but even as an adult. So we don't ever stop putting these on because we're always evolving and changing and trying to navigate our environments. Mm. So the first step is to just recognize that, yes, this is a part of our human existence that we do put on these masks, we do step into these roles, we play out these identities that aren't necessarily who we are at our essence and at the soul level. And once you recognize that, I find the more questions we start to ask and the more curious we become when our body is responding. So it may look like, you know, how you were talking about hair loss Mm -hmm. or fatigue for a woman or anxiety or PMS or fibroids, like all these various things, just being curious and asking yourselves questions of like, where is this coming from? And then recognizing. So one question that I like to seed for a lot of women is if you were in a room and everyone you knew for your whole lifetime was in that room with you, how would you behave? What mask would you put on to survive the different conversations, the different judgments, the different aspects of you? What aspect are you going to show to be okay with yourself or to make the other person okay with themselves in front of you? Because what's happened is we've forgotten who we are. That first moment of separation at birth And even within the womb, and I speak to that in the book too, we start to conform already in the womb because we're understanding from our mom's hormones, is this a safe environment or is it not? Mm. What hormones do I need when I'm, I'm out there in order to survive my experience? So we start at such a young age. And then as we're growing, we're just looking to our environment. We're looking to our caregivers, how they're responding, not even so much with words, but with their actions, with their facial expressions. How are they responding to me being me in my essence? When you look at like a two-year-old and they're just waving their arms around and being themselves and doing their thing, like are they getting looks of disappointment or are they getting looks of encouragement? And sometimes it's not even with intent from a parent. Like I'm a parent. So I understand there's going to be, Lots of therapy that my kids are going to be doing too, right? Like no one is perfect. And I think the story kind of starts developing there because we start to see how different the world is from us. And then we have to navigate it. So we put on a certain persona or identity when we're in one group, Mm -hmm. you know, even watching my children, watching my youngest, the way he is in his classroom, the way he is at home, the way he is with his grandparents, like he's playing these different roles. He's figuring it out. He's figuring out who he is but it's like I said in the book, it's when it starts to constrict us and when we stop looking at the strength of the mask or the role, but we're navigating through its um, polarity that actually creates constriction, contraction and these false beliefs that we hold on to. that's when there's dis-ease, right? Mm-hmm. That's when the symptoms show up. That's when the body's like, hey, we're not listening to our essence anymore. How can we bring alignment back into mm-hmm. ourselves?
0: Yeah, and I think that, can come from everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. I know you talk a lot about trauma, but I feel Mm. like we don't really necessarily understand what trauma is. I feel that a lot of women especially will hear trauma and they'll think, Mm. you know, you immediately go to things like, a huge accident or sexual assault, things yeah. that are all of these big things, but we don't realize that there's smaller traumas yeah. that just happen throughout life. A breakup yeah. that was really difficult, a change, a move. Even yeah. uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago on my podcast about chronic stress where there's the mm-hmm. you know bad stress and the good stress, things like getting married and having a baby. It's still mm-hmm. stress, mm-hmm. even though we don't look at it as a negative situation, Mm -hmm. but there's still Mm -hmm. so much stress. So where do we go Mm -hmm. from there, right? Once we realize Mm -hmm. that these Mm -hmm. things are happening and we start to look a little bit deeper, how do we begin to kind of start connecting those things? How do we begin to find who our true essence is so we can kind of get back into that alignment?
1: Yeah. So in the book, I encourage women to um, write out a timeline right? Mm -hmm. Like going back and just writing out all the major events, the little events, the little moments that kind of occurred. And like you were saying, it doesn't have to be a big T. It's those like little things that kind of build up. And that could be that disappointing look, that could be that move. Um, we moved a few years ago and my oldest just did not take that well, even though he's so happy now, but just that transition because his world was turned upside down. Mm -hmm. But from an adult perspective, it's a very different experience. And, um, just to kind of go off topic and on topic, but just looking at perspective, I remember once we were in Costa Rica and there's these waves kind of crashing in to the shore. And I was like, okay, let's go jump in the waves. And he was only three years old and he just wouldn't move. He was frozen. And then I went down to his level and I looked at the wave and it looked like a tsunami coming at him. And I was like, of course. So when we start to write out our timeline and go back and like, understand ourselves from that lens, we can then start to shift the lens that we've been carrying that story through our lifetime and into this present moment. We can then ask ourselves a question when there's like a response in our body or in an emotion. So maybe, maybe it's an argument with a partner, But the body can't tell the difference between you actually being in danger or you just sitting at your desk kind of um, ruminating over the conversation that just happened. So in that moment, if we can start extending the pause between our stimulus and our response, so then in that pause, we can ask ourselves questions like, where where is this coming from? Who does this belong to? Where am I sourcing my responses from? As soon as we start to ask that question, we all of a sudden take ourselves away from being in the emotion to now we're hovering over ourselves and observing the emotion Mm. and gaining information from it. And as we start to begin that practice every single day, we then all of a sudden can differentiate between what is truly ours what is our story and what has been coming from the outside or what has been imprinted from different generations or from our parents, we can start to differentiate. Okay. None of that is mine. Now there's space to unveil who I actually am. Mm -hmm. What is my essence? And that's going to come from different forms of support too, whether it's yoga and meditation, whether it's spending more time in nature, whether that's doing EMDR or IFS or, you know, other tools that support your unique system and story. It's really just about uncovering and being, um, part of the process while you're doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's difficult to find what works for you. Yeah. I I think a lot of women get discouraged when the first thing they try doesn't work. Yeah. So what do you say to that woman who's in that Mm -hmm. moment of, Oh, I've been doing meditation Mm -hmm. for a week and a half and nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm not less stressed yet. You know, what do you say to that woman that's feeling really discouraged?
1: Yeah. Well, first it's a journey, right? And we, um, I don't think we ever get to this like end result where all of a sudden everything is amazing. It's going to be this ongoing discovery. So if we can tap into that, that what I'm now stepping into is more discovery. And what I always say is just falling in love with yourself. Like the more and more you discover, the more love you have for yourself, the more trust you start to gain within yourself, the more your intuition is tapped into. So all of a sudden, then things start to change. But when we're hit by roadblocks, we want to question then too. So why do I feel frustrated with meditation? Maybe it's the type of meditation, Mm -hmm. maybe sitting quiet and being in this space doesn't work for me. Maybe I'm someone that's so in my mind, I need movement right? So I'm going to move my body every single day. So recognizing what keeps you centered and anchored. So maybe that's movement for one person. Maybe that's a walk in the woods for another person. Maybe that's putting on some jams and dancing for another person. So finding that and trying out different things until you find all of a sudden it clicks that this is the thing that makes me feel anchored every time I might begin to lose myself in a moment and then just practicing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that works for me is movement, for sure. I've gotten better at meditating with practice Mm -hmm. (laughs) and sitting still, but I like to move. I like to be in nature. And even recently, actually, like yesterday, because I was reading your book, I was like, maybe I should just try to like dance and jam out a little Mm -hmm. bit. And just being in that moment, I remember it just came up that as a kid, I love to just dance and just, you know, be free. And that freedom that you talk about a lot in your book too, Mm -hmm. is just feeling back into that. So really speaking to my inner child. So um, even just doing things like coloring or whatever, just kind of brings you back to that freedom and that feeling liberated that like you did when you were that little girl that you Mm -hmm. wanted to you know, so desperately wanted the love and the attention back then, how can you love her too? Because she's still in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just got off a call with um, a group of women and a friend of mine's created this container where she carries these women through the year and she asked me to come and speak to them. And at the end I do this visualization, which some of it's actually in the book where you go back to that inner child Mm -hmm. and you speak. her and you comfort her and you also receive from her too. And really connecting with that. Cause I do think that's where the deep work happens is recognizing that we're a bunch of five-year-olds walking around in like adult bodies (laughs) (laughs) because we want all the same things. We want love. We want connection. We want to feel like we belong. And when that is being threatened, that's when the masks get really tight. You know, if our belonging is being threatened or our relationship is being threatened, all of a sudden the insecurities are showing up, the beliefs about how we're not good enough for all the different things that show up in our mind come to fruition because now we're looking for evidence to um, really anchor that in our psyche, that yeah. this is who I am. But the more we kind of tap into that other feeling, we start to recognize, oh, in a moment I can shift. Like mm-hmm. I have that much control over myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also bringing you back into that feeling that freedom. Yeah. And something that a lot of the conversations I have in my DMs are women who are like, okay, so I'm starting to uncover the things that I love, but then I get put mm-hmm. into the situation where that mask just like clings back mm-hmm. to me. So is there any advice you have for the woman who's in that situation and then just feels like she's being pulled back into those old patterns and those old masks, even though she's trying
1: to get away from them? Totally. Well, the first thing is having grace around the process of like, okay, if the mask come on, asking yourself, why did I need it in that Mm -hmm. moment? What did I receive from that? And what am I going to lose if I don't remove it? So asking ourselves that question can help us understand like what we're actually getting from it. Are we getting more love and connection that we're desiring from an individual? Are we receiving more significance in what we are upholding as we present ourselves to the world? Like, what is it that I'm receiving from the mask and then forgiving ourselves for using it and then changing the polarity? So I don't know if you've gotten to this chapter where I talk about the triangle of disconnect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like tapping into those masks and looking at the different polarities of like, okay, what's the positive polarity of that mask? Maybe the positive polarity is that I can get shit done. So when I need to put that on, I'm going to do that, get my stuff done, but then I'm going to take it off so I can step into my softness again, but not have it clung on to me for too long where all of a sudden now it creates this other process of anxiety and dis-ease in my body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I got to that chapter, I went through the quiz that you have in there Mm -hmm. and they were all like one number apart. And I was like, oh man, Mm -hmm. I'm all of these things. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing we are. And sometimes we're more of one in a different Mm -hmm. area of our life or even part of the day. Maybe at home we have to be one and maybe at work, we have to be the Duchess or the Diva or whatever, whatever we choose to do, but then tapping into their strengths and then being able to be fluid Mm -hmm. within them. I think that's where the beauty is.
0: Yeah, that kind of the connection out of the disconnect.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so I know you also talk a lot about how our thoughts really affect our physiology and the way that Mm -hmm. we show up. So when we were talking, you know, about the masks and trying to unveil who we really are at our true essence, can we talk a little bit about how these masks affect our thoughts and then how our thoughts affect our health overall?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when we're wearing these masks... Um, often it's to survive, right? Mm-hmm. So it's to survive those moments like we were talking about. When we're in that state of survival, our physiology is going to do whatever it needs to to give us the hormones that we need to survive that moment. So often those hormones are like cortisol, our stress hormone or adrenaline. And when they are high, they're doing what they need to do, like giving us more blood into our muscles and getting our heart rate going and you know, giving us this opportunity to run away from the danger. But often that mask is being worn maybe we're sitting at our desk, maybe we're in the car, we're not running away from everything, all of that is happening up here. Mm. And as that happens, our other hormones like progesterone, for example, which is the hormone that helps us thrive. It's anti-anxiety, it's antidepressive, it keeps um, regularity in our cycle, it helps to contain pregnancy, that hormone turns into cortisol every time we need cortisol. So now it's getting constantly depleted and what we're telling our body is that we don't have the capacity to create life right now or be in this state of thriving because we need to survive and that's all I need. And then that becomes the pattern. So if we're living out that pattern every single day and depleting these hormones that help us have libido and great skin and healthy hair and, and all the various and feel good about ourselves, we then are going to either start growing things like cysts and fibroids. Some women will have thyroid stuff if they're not able to voice their, um, Thoughts and what they need for themselves, or not being able to say no. Right. So these start things start to manifest because for so long we've been depleting these um, sex hormones and these reproductive hormones that help us thrive. So then when we have just a thought and it can be a thought, it could be a smell, it could be something that we watch, there's triggers around us all the time, but the brain is so good at creating memory around a big T trauma or even a small one. So we never have to feel that again, that all of a sudden your amygdala is active And your limbic system, they're all talking to each other, is talking to your hippocampus, like your memory center, and saying, hey, we've been here before. I don't want this. What are we going to do? So then it tells your pituitary gland and your hypothalamus, hey, we need these stress hormones. This is what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's happening all the time. So it, it isn't until we really begin to pattern disrupt and disrupt these patterns that we can then teach the body again to go into that parasympathetic state that helps us rest and digest and be into be in that thriving state more than surviving
0: yeah so is there any way or you know once you're in that really stressful situation mm-hmm. what are some really tangible like on the go things that you can do to you know bring yourself back down a little bit in the moment obviously this yeah. is a long term thing it's not yeah it's not going to happen overnight but when you're in that really stressful situation what's something we can do Right now, to just bring us back into our bodies a little bit enough mm. to be able to calm down and look at the yeah. situation more objectively.
1: Yeah. I like to use my hands. Mm. So I put one hand on my heart and one hand on my womb. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just brings me here. And okay. that might be, again, that might look different for somebody else. Yeah. But if there's like an experience happening, just being like giving yourself a second, like even mm-hmm. a millisecond can change the trajectory of where your brain is going. So we do that. We breathe. And then we ask a question, that question that I seated before, where is this coming from? Is this real? Do I need to be in this state right now? Mm -hmm. It's just simply asking that all of a sudden changes the physiology. Now all of a sudden we're breathing, not hyperventilating, but actually breathing through our belly. So now we're telling the physiology like, Hey, it's okay. Yes. There's stress going on. Stress was, is going to be there forever. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like what you were saying in the beginning, there's like different forms of stress. Mm -hmm. Even the good stresses can still elicit the same response Mm -hmm. as the trauma stress. So stress is going to be there, but how we respond is what we can change. We can still be steady and still be in a state of um, external stress.
0: Yeah. Is there any Mm -hmm. specific breathing patterns that you use or recommend more than others?
1: I wouldn't say I recommend one more. Or the other it depends on where you're at. So say you're okay. in more of a depressed state, right? Yeah. If you're really feeling low and you really feeling like you have to go so internal, but more internal than you maybe should, because you're going down this path of going into depression, I would say breath of fire, because mm-hmm. that's going to ignite something in you. Um, I like box breath because that just gives you moment and that brings the mind into ease too. So that would be like inhaling for four and then you're holding for four, exhaling for four and then holding out for four. There's a meditation that I love. It's called the meditation for a calm heart. So you're breathing in as big as you can and then you hold for as long as you can. And then you breathe out while you have your hand on your heart. Mm. And then the other ones in Gyan Mudra, which is um, the wisdom mudra. So your thumb is touching your index finger. So again, these are just like little things that you can incorporate to help to settle your nervous system.
0: Mm -hmm. Just kind of Mm -hmm. stimulating that, you know, that vagus nerve that communicates the gut and everything. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So the vagus nerve kind of controls a lot in our bodies. And, um, you know, something I talk a lot about at work and on the podcast is that mindfulness practice of. Just breathing and stimulating mm-hmm. that vagus nerve, getting us back into that rest and digest rather than constantly being in fight or flight. Yeah. Because, like you were saying earlier, our bodies don't know the difference between good stress and bad stress. If there's any mm-hmm. kind of stress, the response physiologically is the same. Yeah. And so, I think knowing what kind of things that you can do in the moment in that millisecond to just mm-hmm. change the direction is really powerful mm-hmm. and it really starts there being able to recognize that you're going into this response is number one and mm-hmm. then being able to really just shift your mm-hmm. thought process mm-hmm. is really really powerful and I think you described that beautifully in the book so for anyone listening you need to get this book
1: <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> um,
0: it'll all be linked in the show notes don't worry yeah. but yeah so From there, then, our traumas and everything we've been through in our lives, our thought processes, everything that we've experienced, you were talking about how it affects our hormones. So is there, obviously, our hormones, when women think hormones, they think, oh, getting pregnant right away or Mm -hmm. not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. How can I suppress it? And you talk a Mm -hmm. lot about birth control, too, in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm in the process of transitioning off of birth control, and I've been learning Mm -hmm. so much from my friend who's a holistic nutritionist, and she helps women transition off safely because of how much it depletes your body and things that we didn't know. But that's a totally different story, right? Yeah, it's a whole other hour. But um, once we're here and our traumas are affecting everything, Mm -hmm. how can we begin to support our hormones, whether it's Mm -hmm. through diet, or obviously you've talked a lot Mm -hmm. about breathing and meditation, What other things can we really do to support our hormones, especially for the women listening who maybe are in the stage that I'm in of thinking about starting a family soon?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's a great question. I think the first thing is testing. Mm -hmm. right? So especially once you come off of birth control, waiting a few months and then testing to see where your hormones are at. Mm -hmm. Um, The test that I like is the Dutch test because it's, yeah, it's looking at all the metabolites. It's looking at your testosterone, your estrogen, your progesterone, like everything Mm -hmm. to see how your body right now in this moment is navigating life. Mm -hmm. And once you get an understanding of that, then you can implement things, whether it's through diet. So if it's a woman that's having a cycle right now, knowing that the first two weeks of your cycle are very different than the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. There's actually four stages within your cycle. There's the bleed where you go more internal, Mm -hmm. where it's time of rest and reflection and detoxification. So giving yourself time to do that usually for food in that time. Um, it's more like soups and stews. Things are really nurturing and you can actually fast a lot more at that time too, because it really is a process of letting go, recognizing that. And then you step into post bleed before that and before ovulation, this is where now estrogen is starting to rise mm. and testosterone is slowly starting to come up. So this is a time where women feel a bit more external, where you can have the business meetings, you can do the projects, you can be more active and work out differently as well. Like do more hit exercise, just think there's a lot of power. It's like the Wonder Woman time, really. Mm your libido is getting higher because that time of ovulation is slowly coming and your testosterone is rising. And for food in that time, making sure you're nurturing those hormones. So eating things like pumpkin seeds, avocados, healthy fat. So maybe you can be a little bit more keto around that time. Mm -hmm. And then comes ovulation. So that's a stage in itself. And some people or some women will actually um, not feel so great around ovulation, especially after being on birth control for a long time, because your body hasn't been ovulating. Mm -hmm. So now it has to relearn, right? There has to be a reconnection between the pituitary gland in your brain and your ovaries. So it's having grace around that time, because there might be some irritability that shows up. There might be some like big emotions that show up as well, because that is the moment where all of a sudden there's an egg that's getting released from your ovary. And this egg carries so much potential and creativity. So then this is where you want to be creative, right? So this is where you want to be dreaming a lot and giving yourself space to do that. And then those last little bit of your cycle before you bleed again is where progesterone is supposed to be high. So that's the hormone that's very internal. So it's very nurturing, nesting. So, being a bit more internal, journaling, you're moving a little bit different. So, maybe your workout now has turned into yoga, walking, you know, things like that, dancing, being in nature more, just giving yourself space to be a bit more internal and recognizing that, yes, my libido is going to go down here because now it's all about me. Mm. Because if there is a pregnancy, progesterone needs to go up even higher to contain it. And it's all about just getting those first couple of weeks, some nesting happening in the womb. So, rest is really important. And then when it comes to food here, higher carbohydrates, like um, healthy ones, like sweet potatoes and things like that is what you want to bring into your vision this time of your cycle. So as you start to create this rhythm in your body, all of a sudden you get more intimate with your cycle. You start to understand it. You start to understand the cues of like, okay, if I've got PMS every single month, what's shift, that? what needs to shift in order for that to shift? Mm-hmm. Maybe I am too stressed out. So now I need tools for stress. Maybe I'm not eating well for my cycle. I need to shift how I'm eating. Maybe I'm not sleeping well. How, how's my melatonin? Mm-hmm. Cause that too go hand in hand. So it just gives you insight when you start to really track what your hormones are doing, especially once you're off of the birth control, it'll just give you insight into like what you need to tweak, like what herbs I need, what minerals I need for those different areas of my cycle as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. when you are doing the, Dutch test. Is it a blood test? Like your finger prick? No,
1: it's a urine test. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's different types. There's one that you can do throughout the month to see what's happening throughout the month. There's one that you do just on day 19 to 21 of your cycle to see what your ratios are in certain hormones. So depending on your picture, then you kind of decide which one would be best for you.
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Because I know that Obviously we've just talked about how different hormones fluctuate through the cycle so yeah. depending on what part of the cycle you're on is it going to matter you know what the levels are
1: and yes yeah. yeah absolutely that's why we usually do it between day 19 and 21 okay. and then depending on what you're working on if you're working on fertility you may also do some actual blood work on day 3 to 5 and look at your LH or FSH okay. looking at those numbers and then also looking at them again after
0: So then once you if you know if you do a Dutch test, is is that something that you can just buy online? Does it have to be prescribed by a doctor?
1: It does have to be prescribed by a doctor at this time. Yeah.
0: So is that something that what kind of doctor I guess would any functional doctor? Okay.
1: Um, and I even think some holistic nutritionists might have access to it as well.
0: Okay.
1: From my understanding. any functional doctor, a naturopathic doctor, um, nutritionists, I, I think, don't take my word for it, yeah. but they may be able to order it as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I've, yeah. I've been talking a lot about my hormonal journey, like on Instagram mm-hmm. and on the podcast. So I get these questions a lot where, well, how do I test? Where do I go? What do I test? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to test. I just do what my doctor tells me to. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also know that a lot of women listening do get really frustrated if they do go to, you know, just Mm -hmm. their OBGYN or their PCP and they're feeling like they're not being heard. They're feeling like Mm -hmm. they're not getting the tests that they want. It's just like the LH, the FSH or prolactin or something like that rather than the whole spectrum. So it's really frustrating. So that's why I'm asking where is where can we get this yeah. test that tests everything.
1: Yeah, this is where you really have to be your own advocate yeah. and look for people that are doing the deeper work with hormones cuz we're complicated mm-hmm. and that's why there's such a lack of information. So I'll share this with your audience. There's studies done all the time on women, and that's in quotation marks. So there was a study done a while ago, which I actually mentioned in the book on women transitioning in menopause and how what they stated was that our chances of having a cardiovascular event goes up by 50%. There was not one woman in that study. They were all men. that today. Yeah. So when you think about that, the lack of knowledge, because again, we're too complicated. Mm -hmm. There's actually another great book that your audience would really, um, do well getting is, and probably you too, by Dr. Sarah Hill. It's called Your Brain on Birth Control. And I mentioned Mm -hmm. her in the book and it's such an amazing read to look at some actual research that was done on women and things are starting to change a little bit. But because we, our cycle is affected so quickly, like I was saying, a thought can change mm-hmm. everything they have a really hard time navigating that yeah
0: yeah right and you know again everything's fluctuating so much so yeah but yeah. I, I was just mind blown when I read that like how do you mm-hmm. test something about menopause on men yeah. that don't go through yeah. menopause that's right yeah Where does that <laughs> to even us come it's from? quite simple but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so when we're dealing with these hormonal imbalances, or I guess, how do we even know, first of all, mm, that we yeah. have a hormonal imbalance? Possibly. Yeah. How do we know that? And then once we figure out that it is, where do we go from there?
1: Yeah, good question. It may look different in different stages of our life because mm-hmm. I feel in the beginning. So, for example, as soon as a young girl starts menstruating, it takes about 12 years after that for ovulation and everything to actually regulate itself mm. so now think back thinking back to like what teen years look like so often teens are put on birth control for various different reasons so now here we're already blocking yes. what the body is trying to do and I'm not I'm not anti-birth control it by any means I do feel like women, when they need it, they need it. And my challenge though, is is there's not enough education around what kind would be best for a woman and what you can do to combat some of the effects Mm -hmm. that it has on our bodies. And so during that time, things are usually being masked, right? We don't actually know what our hormonal story is because there's a pill that's telling us what it is. Yeah. So during that time, or even in the twenties, if a woman's got You know, PMS in regards to like changes in mood before a period um, swelling in the breasts, um, insomnia, hormonal acne, like all these things kind of start to happen. Libido is usually shifted and there's usually there's like a bit of a dullness Mm -hmm. that happens um, where just motivation is really hard depending on what kind of birth control you're on. And then as we start navigating through life and, you know, you're going to school, have a career, and if you're starting a family and like, there's going to be different changes that happen in your body. And, you know, often women will have, um, hair loss Mm. occur, um, there's going to be other things that maybe show up on ultrasound, like a cyst or a little fibroid or, but what happens on like a day-to-day level is really, she's not feeling like herself anymore. There's usually a moment in her month or in her cycle where all of a sudden how she looked at the world at one point, all of a sudden shifts. And now she's looking at it in a very different lens. And even the beliefs she has around herself, all of a sudden are very different. That is like one of the biggest clues that your hormones really need your support. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say hormones impact everything. So no matter what you're mm-hmm. experiencing, there's some sort of hormonal component in there, sure. but how deep you dive in usually does depend on what's going on in that moment.
0: Okay. So yeah. for the woman who is on birth control, whether it's the pill, the mm-hmm. IED, the ring, the shot, yeah, is there is supporting your hormones in that moment you know, I guess, quote worth it. Is it actually going to do anything because everything's being quote regulated by the pill or whatever birth control you're on?
1: Yeah. So this is where you want to be looking at the foundation. So what foundation do my cells need Mm -hmm. in order to continue to thrive? So when I do come off of it, the communication can get back into um, its status that it was in before. Mm -hmm. So that's like, you know, healthy amino acids that's looking at Um, our diet and making sure we're getting healthy fats in our diet because our hormones need healthy fats looking at our minerals so magnesium is depleted zinc is depleted with birth control looking at B vitamins often women aren't methylating properly so making sure we're taking b vitamins supporting our liver through that time supporting Mm -hmm. our adrenals through that time so there's all these systems that you can still support while being on birth control so that when the day comes that you want to shift off those communication pathways are still open
0: Okay. So it's not necessarily yeah. about balancing the hormones. It's more about nurturing everything yeah, else.
1: That's right. That's okay. right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and I know something you also talk about is kind of how hormones are dictating relationships too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah. How does that affect everything that you know how we relate to other people?
1: Yeah, that's huge. So just going into a relationship, um, maybe in a couple, looking yeah. at it in from that lens women, as I was saying, we have this um, rhythm throughout mm-hmm. the month and men have a 24 hour rhythm. So they're always resetting every single yeah. day. Right. <laughs> yeah. <Seems about> right. <laughs> Yeah. So the way they operate in the world is through testosterone. Like that's their, when you look at behavior endocrinology, testosterone is their hormone. So testosterone is all about motivation, getting things done. And it's a very active hormone. So they can move from like A to B in a very linear line. And they almost need to complete that task before they can think of anything else. For women, it's oxytocin, which is all about community and gathering and being in like softness and not doing a lot, but being, and we have this capacity to where they might be going from point A to B, but we're like 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. We have all these channels open all the time and we can actually um, utilize both sides of our brain at once. Whereas for men, they have to be in one and then they go to the next. So when we start to understand how differently we operate in the world. So for a couple, for example, if they're having challenges with intimacy, if the man or the partner doesn't have to be a man understands that their counterpart and the, this part of their cycle is going to have more libido is going to have more testosterone. So that's the time to woo her maybe. Mm-hmm. And then in this time she needs more space. So then there isn't this expectation, but an understanding of intimacy that this is what the rhythm is like, but often we women will feel like, well, there's something wrong with me because I don't feel that way all the time. Yeah. So that closes a gap in that communication and expectation. Cause when we're not feeling heard, when we're f- not feeling steady with our hormones, our first response is going to be irritation mm-hmm. and frustration with ourselves. And then that's going to come out in that relationship because we're not being understood because we're not even understanding ourselves and being able to communicate mm-hmm. any of that to them. So that's how that relationship gets affected. And then when we look at other outside relationships, whether that's our family or our friends, again, when we don't feel anchored in ourself, Mm -hmm. everything is happening to us instead of through us or because Mm -hmm. of us. So when we're having these interactions with our family and feeling um, maybe judged or judging or feeling triggered, um, we often will feel like it's that other individual. Mm -hmm. But often if we can change that lens and to think about, okay, what's happening in my body? Like, where am I in my cycle? Why is this triggering me more now? Why can I, you know, have tears at the drop of a hat when over here, I was totally fine. So I have a rule. I do not make life decisions in the second half of my cycle. I'm just not allowed. Yeah. I can only make those decisions in that first half because they're going to be very different because the lens I'm looking through is very different. Mm -hmm. So once we start to understand that, that understand that You know, if we're in a state of survival all the time and we feel like we're in danger all the time, we're contracted. We're not even listening, really. We're not even ready to receive the information that we might need in order to feel whole. And then we can't give. Cause then we're giving from a space of resentment. We're giving from a space of depletion. And it's that um, damsel that I was describing in the book too. We can't say no. So we're saying yes, even though we don't want to So now we're making decisions that just don't feel right, but we're doing it anyways. And then it's their fault, right? right. <laughs> Cause they're asking too much of us. <laughs> but we can't say no. Yeah. <laughs> then when we can't say no. Yeah. So I just think it lets us take responsibility for mm-hmm. us and have a deeper understanding and then have a relationship with ourselves of trust. So then we can start to change those relationships outside of us as well.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really powerful, but also so true because I've noticed a lot. I, Mm -hmm. I'm an Enneagram too. I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, Mm -hmm. but so I'm the helper and I don't say no to anything. And I always put everyone else before me. And once I realized that I did that, more so, it was kind of like a selfish thing of me trying to get thanks from other people for doing it, yeah. for always helping them, for always, you know, pra- you know, priding myself on being there for everyone yeah. all of the time. Yeah, but constantly feeling so drained. And yeah. once you learn that, it was just like, whoa, okay, I need to start yeah. saying no. I need to set boundaries and Mm -hmm. find that praise within myself rather than Mm -hmm. saying yes to everything to everybody else right
1: yeah but the gift of that is like you have such a huge heart yeah so when you get anchored into that then you can actually give from that space Mm -hmm. rather than from that depleted space and then it's a totally different energy because there's no expectation then of receiving something from that interaction Mm -hmm. it's like that um I don't know. I might be aging myself, but the friends episode with Phoebe and um, Joey, when he was saying you can't give without actually getting. Yeah. Or maybe the other, it was the other way around. It's mm-hmm. like even when you're giving to charity or you're giving, we're doing it for a reason to mm-hmm. receive some sort of like significance or importance or yeah. love, connection, belonging, whatever that may be. But true service comes from the heart space, not from the head space. Mm-hmm. It comes from that knowing that even without that act, I am whole, that I don't need something else or someone else to fill that.
0: Yeah. And I think that comes from pretty much everything we've talked about today. Yeah, Just really learning yourself on all levels, not mm-hmm. just the superficial masks that have been placed on us. So yeah, this was an absolutely incredible conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Um, yeah. Before we go, if you could just leave us with like some life advice, your yeah. anything, what What would you say to your, you know, to your 16 year old self? What What would you say yeah. to her?
1: Yeah, i say so many things to her. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I would want her to understand is that everything is temporary. Yeah. And that there's a gift in every moment. If you can start to tap into that those gifts and move through life with curiosity and that understanding, then everything can be at ease. There doesn't need to be the stress and the traumas and all the things because it just is. So that that would be my gift to her.
0: I love that. I love that. So obviously your book is out now. Um, It's called Woman Unleashed. I'll link all of that in the show notes. And I saw that it is number one on Amazon, which is incredible. Yeah, Congratulations. It's very surreal. Thank yeah. you. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so where else can we connect with you outside of the book? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So you can go to drsoniajensen.com. Um, I am active on Instagram, so you can DM me there or connect with me there. And, um, I mean, I have a bunch of other things like doctorsjensen.com with my husband, who's also a naturopathic doctor. So you can find us on many of those channels.
0: Yeah. So do you work with people virtually just in a yes. private practice? Okay.
1: Yeah, private practice virtually. I do a lot of group things, especially with women. I'm actually mm-hmm. starting in January a "Woman Unleashed" journey. Whoever wants to join that, where we're going to go through the whole book and yeah. um, kind of like book club slash mentorship for a couple of weeks. So th- this is where my heart is is just giving back to women and bringing women together in community. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be really helpful for so many people. So thank you again.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you picked up a few tips and tricks that you can take with you into the rest of your day. If you vibe with this episode, it would mean the world to me if you share your takeaways from social media and tag me so that we can connect. I would love to personally thank you for helping me spread this message into the world. I'm so grateful for this adventure that we're on together. Until next time, babe, we'll talk soon.